Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. Welcome everybody to the sermon portion of this. Thanks again for joining us online today. We're glad that you are here and uh, hope that you've gotten the chance to participate as well as uh, be encouraged and um, you you sense God working. So I'm going to pray and then we'll have scripture reading and then uh, we'll jump in. Father, for the uh, next few moments as we do this, I pray that you would help me uh, to communicate clearly what you have on your heart for us. These are not um, simple days, and they are they are not without a, a sense of uncertainty. But God, they are um, they are the days that you have us walking walking in. So, as Psalm ninety said, please teach us to number our days aright. And give us, Father, as a result of that, a heart of wisdom. And um, as we um, step forward into uh, whatever this life is this week, I pray that you, by your Spirit, would guide us so that we could live out who you want us to be. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so if you have a Bible today, I'm going to invite you to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 5 through 9. 1 Corinthians 3 verses 5 through 9. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Service to whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So I want to pick back up on this theme of a family of missionaries. We as a church family have committed to this sort of identity because this is what we believe God has called us to. We're a family of missionaries who do these three things. We live uh, to pursue God, to love well, and serve the world. And so that is our sense of calling as a church family and our identity as a family of missionaries. And I want to encourage you uh, to go about your days embracing that. We talked about identity last week um, from First Peter, how we are a, uh, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people for God's own possession, a chosen family. And uh, we get the opportunity to declare God's virtues, his excellencies to those around us. Today, I want to talk about um, how do we know if we're succeeding in this, particularly in these really confusing days, how do we know that we're succeeding? So I want to point to two things. I want to start again where we started last week, a sense of identity, a sense of identity. And that is actually down in verse nine. So we're going to kind of take the passage backwards, back down in verse nine. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. How do we measure success? It's easy, probably. uh, It's easy, yes, probably in Um, our work environments to measure success. If you're a salesman, you sell. If you are a builder, you build. If you're a computer guy, you computer stuff. Uh, You you code some software. Uh, If you uh, do any number of other things, then you have a sense of success. But um, as the uh, relationships get less transactional and more intimate, it is very, very difficult to understand what success feels like, especially as we think about family, as we think about our other intimate relationships, and as we think about ministry. And so I want to encourage you Uh, to be thinking about success in these two terms. The first one is identity. Back to verse 9, God's fellow workers, God's field, God's building. I want to talk about that first phrase first, that we are God's fellow workers. Now just picture that for a minute. Can you you think about that? 
that you are working with God and God is working with you. You have formed a joint partnership in seeing um, ministry happen, in seeing the kingdom come in people's life. Partnership uh, with God and God is using us. That's an incredible, incredible thought. Um, God initiates this work and you and I, we get the opportunity to cooperate with him. If you've been around our church family a while, you know that that's a phrase we've used before. God initiates, we cooperate. Indeed, here it is again. Life in the kingdom has that rhythm to it. God initiates and we cooperate. We are God's fellow workers. Think about that in the ways that you are ministering to your spouse right now, in the ways that you are ministering to your kids, if you have them in your home with all the stuff that's going on right now, in the ways that you are loving your neighbor, in the ways that you are praying for your one, as we did earlier, in the ways that you're doing all the things that you're doing right now, you are God's fellow worker. God is working with you. He has chosen you as his partner in the business of the kingdom, in the, in the, the ministry that he has given us to do. That is a really amazing, amazing thing. Well, why, would he, why would he do that? Could God do it another way? Certainly he could. It would be actually easier for him to do that. But um, I think uh, if you have a child um, in your home, then you know you like doing stuff with them and they probably like doing stuff with you. So it is with God. God likes it when he um, uh, initiates something and we cooperate with him in that. He enjoys that. Um, And also it lets us learn skills and learn habits that we need to continue the life that God wants us to live. So we're benefiting and learning and God gets a lot of joy from it. So uh, this picture popped up on my Facebook feed, not too, uh, maybe two or three days ago. Um, this is our second born who uh, is helping me build a little cabinet there that we we're doing. And I could have done that a lot quicker, but man, it was great. It was a fun memory um, for he and I to work together. And even when it popped up, it reminded me of all the, the fun we had that day doing that. Last night, we were cooking some dinner and our littlest one wanted to help open uh, a can. And so uh, she grabbed the can opener and we kind of did it together. And that was a sweet fun moment. God enjoys it when we work with him, when we partner with him, when we cooperate with him, but also we get life skills. We figure out how to handle a screwdriver. We figure out how to manipulate a can opener. Um, We get the life skills that we need to continue the life that God wants us to live. We are God's fellow workers. Um, In in regards to ministry, um, sometimes people think about uh, uh, other people and they're like, man, I, I just don't know if I see God work at all or, or even what I'm supposed to be looking for um, in this particular relationship. Here's what I want to encourage you with. Most of the time, the people who cross over into the land of truth do so over the bridge of relationship. And you can think about that in your own life. You can think about how you um, Uh, uh, were shaped by people um, along the way. You can think about people who spoke into your life, who demonstrated for you something. The the, um, land of truth, if you will, was crossed into um, by you over the bridge of relationship. In my own life, I was thinking about it this week, having more time around the house has allowed me to be slightly more nostalgic and thoughtful about some people and being able to check on them. Uh, uh, The youth pastor that I had growing up was a female. She ended up marrying somebody who was a mentor of mine. Both of those people shaped me significantly. My second grade Sunday school teacher um, 
the truth that she taught me, I'm sure was real. But what was most important was when I would go over, even as a college student and a young adult, sit at her kitchen table. Um, she'd offer me a bowl of ice cream because that was always the thing. And we would talk and then she would pray. So these kinds of things, these influences uh, that you and I can have toward others, we can build the bridge of relationship. We can even be the bridge of relationship over which people cross and get to truth. So I want to encourage you in that. You are God's fellow worker, but that's not all. He also says, you are God's field, God's building. So he says, we are God's fellow workers. God is initiating and we are cooperating. And the people that we are ministering to, he said, you are God's field and God's building. I'm going to talk about those two things um, kind of quick. When we talk about God's field, uh, that is the place of uh, uh, God's, it's God's workshop, if you will. It is the place of uh, God's work environment. It is the place where he is tilling the soil, where he is making stuff happen, where he is causing growth, where he is moving things in order for uh, uh, fruit to come. It is, it is God's work environment. And so as a, um, a great thing that we get to join him in that. John 15 says that we were people uh, chosen by God and to be sent out that we would bear much fruit. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 talks about how we, he wants to, um, the spirit in us wants to bear fruit. And that's true of us and that's true of the people that we are reaching out to, the neighbors that we are loving, the ones that we are praying for, uh, our family. He wants to bear fruit in them. So I want to encourage you, um, when you think about other people, think about them as God's uh, work environment. They are the place where God is going to do some incredible work. And the second thing he says is that you are God's building. Now, if you skip down to verse 16, he says, don't you know that you are God's temple? So those words there are playing off of one another. We are God's temple. We are God's building. We are the place um, where God belongs. We are, that is his home environment, so to speak. If the field is his work environment, the temple or the building is his home environment. And uh, this is the place where people encounter God. And I just want to highlight this. When we think about ministry and loving our neighbor and who's your one and all the other things that we're in right now, planting a church, why are we doing these things? We're doing these things for this reason, so that other people encounter God and experience his work in their lives. We're not asking them to join anything, start anything, stop anything, uh, quit something. We're not asking them to um, be a part in some sense uh, of any other outward expression. We want to see the kingdom of God come in their lives and transformation happen in their lives to go from dirt to a, a field that is um, filled with fruit, to go from uh, just a place to a place where God dwells. We are working, we are ministering, we are laboring with God so that people experience his presence and they have a sense uh, and, and or encounter his presence and have a sense of the experience of God at work in their lives. So that's our identity. And now to move on to the second part. What, what then does our work look like? Let's jump back to verse 5. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned Eve. So just a brief context here. The Corinthian letter is filled with um, moments where Paul kind of shakes his head and goes, oh, I can't believe you guys, because they were consistently fighting about things or having struggles about things or arguing about things or doing things they ought not. Here, in this particular case, they were fighting over um, who was following whom instead of um, uh, committing to and celebrating the one who was worth following in the first place. And so they were kind of lining up behind Team Paul or Team Apollos or, or somebody else. And Paul's like, look, 
Nobody here is anything. We need to be committed to following Jesus. That's not our problem as a church family. I'm grateful for that. I also want to say, I don't ever want it to be our problem. I don't want it to be something that we have to struggle with or wrestle with. So let's be team Jesus here. Let's commit to following him. Let's keep him first and foremost and celebrate him the most. So Back to this question of our work. What does our work look like? Um, it, the short answer is planting and watering. But I want to break it down into these four uh, little sections here. What does our work look like? First of all, we start what is needed. We start what is needed. So um, he says back in uh, verse 6, I planted. I planted. So there was a planting that was needed there. We as a church family are committed to planting a church. Timeline of this, uh, as far as we know, is still on. But I mean, you know, God is the one who's in control. And so why, why are we thinking about planting there in the western part of Texas City and the mid part of Galveston County? Why have, Kyle, why have Kyle and Casey already moved to that area? Because we believe that something needs to get started there. And so the question for you is, think about your own life and your own ministry. Think about the neighbors that you're connecting with or the people that you're trying to reach out to. Is there something that needs to be started there? Um, uh, do they have a witness uh, other than you? And if not, this is your moment to step into that. And I want to encourage you with that. The second thing that it looks like is that uh, we, we give it what is necessary. So again, in verse six, I planted, but Apollos watered. So after you plant something, what do you do? I planted a, a replanted um, a bush this morning. What do you do? You water it. That's what you do. And so uh, this is the case where we give it what is needed. And so um, when the um, ministry happens, when the things are in play, when, when things are rolling out and we're trying to understand what's going on, listen, the best thing that we could do is just speak to the things that we know are needed in those moments. Sometimes they're not wanted, but man, we need to speak to the things that are needed um, in those moments. Uh, in your ministry to your family, in your ministry to neighbors, what, what is needed? And can you give them water? Can you give them water? Even if they're not willing to receive it, can you give them, can you provide for them water? I planted Apollo's water. And then it says, uh, but it's God who gives the growth. So neither he who plants or he who waters or is anything, but only God, only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one. Each one will receive his wages according to his labor. So the third thing, first, we start what's needed. Secondly, we give them what's necessary. And then thirdly, um, we take the next step, whatever that is. One of the most frustrating things um, in life and in ministry is waiting. We, you know, where we're trying to figure out, hey, I think I've done the right thing here, but I'm not sure. Man, I'd really like to know the next three or four or five or 12 steps, but man, I, I can't do that. I can't understand that. I can't know that right now. What do we do in those moments? What do we do when we've prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing seems to have moved? What do we do when we have um, sought people, when we have had conversations with people, when we've encouraged people and nothing seems to have moved? What do we do in those moments? We take the next step, whatever that is. Some of you right now are walking into or in uh, very difficult circumstances. What do you do? You take uh, the next step, whatever that next step is. Sometimes, man, four and five and six steps down the road, we'd love to see, but God doesn't allow us to see those. So what do we do? We just take the one that is in front of us. And it says in verse eight, when we do that, he who plants, he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. That's actually the place, that point of obedience is the place where we are rewarded. And so I just want to encourage you, whatever the next step is for you to do that. Some of you parents of younger kids have been uh, no doubt uh, 
hanging on to some Disney movies and watching some Disney movies. I know that Disney um, re- released early Frozen 2, and so you no doubt have all sorts of songs floating around your house, or you parents of younger ones. Uh, and in, in that movie Frozen 2, this is no spoiler, but Anna sings the song, Just Do the Next Right Thing. That's, that's what the text is encouraging of us, too. Sometimes we don't understand the timing. God, we've sown and we've sown and we've sown. We've planted, we've planted, we've planted. We've watered, but yet nothing, nothing seems to be happening. What are we supposed to be doing? Just the next right thing. That's all we're supposed to do. Just do the next right thing. So start what's needed. Uh, secondly, uh, we, we want to give them what is necessary. Thirdly, we take the next step, whatever that is. And lastly, we trust God for the results. He says a couple of times here in verse uh, 6 and 7, but God who gave the growth. And then at the end of verse 7, God is the one who gives the growth. And so I just want to encourage you, we trust God for the timing of all of this. Um, that, that is, a, again, it's a hard step, It's a but it's a crucial step in our understanding of who God is and our understanding of how God's at work around us. We are faithful to these things and we trust God to, um, in the right timing to do the right thing. So I just want to point you a little bit later in the chapter to um, chapter four, or in a little bit later in the book to chapter four, look at the first two verses. This is verse one, chapter four, verse one. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it's required of stewards that they be found faithful. When I was a um, young uh, ministry student, uh, somebody showed me that verse and encouraged me to define ministry success as faithfulness. Define ministry success as faithfulness. And he pointed me to that verse. It was such a critical time in my life and so shaping in my understanding. Uh, the word he uses there, this is how one should regard us, servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. A steward back then was kind of in our modern day parlance, maybe a, a waiter at a restaurant. And um, the waiter's single job is to get the food from the kitchen to the table in as, as close to a shape as it was when it came out of the kitchen. So you want it there hot, you want it there fresh, you want it there um, just like the chef made it. Our job is to bring the food out, the spiritual food out, and set it before these people. If they have problems with it, if they don't like the taste, that's between them and the cook. It's not. That's not on us. We can trust God. We can trust God for the timing. It's one who plants, one who waters, but God who gives the growth our job is simply to get it from the kitchen to the table in, in the right shape, in the best shape that we can, so that we can see God go to work in their lives. Remember, they are the ones who are God's field. They're the ones where God is going to work. They are the ones who are going to experience um, His work in their lives, and they are the ones who are going to encounter His presence. We just want to set the table for them. What, what is this that we're doing here? Why are we pushing so hard on this? Because we are. We've been called by God to be this family of missionaries who live out. We want people to encounter God through the gospel. And so we want people to be encouraged and to see the gospel become real or even more real in their lives. The fact that Jesus has died in our place and for our sins and he has risen again and is the victorious son of God. We get to celebrate that as we come closer to Easter. That is more and more and more precious to us as people who know and follow Jesus. But I also want to give this invitation if you're hearing, uh, watching this video or hearing my voice today and you don't know who Jesus is, I want to encourage you that he is the ruling and reigning son of God who has died for people just like you, no matter your baggage, no matter your situation, no matter your stuff. 
He has died for people just like you, and he has risen again so that you can experience the life and freedom that he has. And the best way that you can respond to that is by turning from yourself and turning from your sins and turning from your self-destruction and putting your trust in him by simply saying, Jesus, I believe you. Please forgive me of my sins and take over my life. I'm praying that that would be the case in somebody's life today as we as a church family live out this identity as a family of missionaries. Let me pray. Father, I pray that the gospel would be real, um, not only to us as a church family, but also to anyone and everyone who hears this message. And I pray that um, they would be one step closer today uh, to knowing you and understanding you. And God, I pray for us as a church family that we would be the bridge over which people cross into the truth. We would be this, the relationship that we have with people would um, be a draw for them, a magnet for them to bring them into the kingdom. Uh, I pray, Father, protection over everyone who's hearing this video today. Please uh, prevent um, any sickness in their lives and God sustain them where they are as much as they may be facing anxiety or uh, a financial struggle or anything else. Would you please, Father, um, sustain them where they are God, again, we as a church family, pause for a moment to pray for our president and everybody um, who is serving our nation in helping us uh, combat this virus. We pray, God, for wisdom um, from the White House all the way down uh, to the local level. We pray, Father, for wisdom for them so that they would know what is best um, for us as a country. And God, we are ultimately, our hope is in you. And so we give ourselves to you and to that. And I pray in Jesus' name.